Well, good morning. We're talking um, about new ambitions this morning. Ambition's kind of an interesting word. Ambition uh, sort of has this interesting connotation to it. Uh, oftentimes we think of ambition in, as, as a sort of negative light, or we can think of it sometimes as in a positive light. So you might say to some, about somebody, wow, they're really ambitious. And what do we mean by that? Yinka knows, she's laughing now. We mean, sorry, we, we kind of mean they're willing to do anything to get what they want, right? Somebody, we think, oh, they're, they're really ambitious. Hmm, they're sort of, you might sort of give a little bit of distance to those folks because you might sort of sense that they'll walk all over anything to get what they want. But then at the same time, um, we might know some people that we just say, are, you know, boy, it'd be great if they had a little more ambition. You know, people who sort of just, sorry, you just want to help along and sort of say, maybe if you're an employer, you know, you've had an employee, you just said, wow, I just wish they had a little more ambition. I wish they'd sort of just be a little more proactive, that sort of thing. Ambition can kind of be ambiguous a bit as whether we mean it in a sort of positive light or, or a, a negative light. Ambition is that desire for something or that desire to achieve something. But it sometimes, actually, I think ambition moves beyond just a desire for something, but it actually means a determination to get it. I might think of it this way. You know, it, it, wanting more is pretty common. Being completely committed to get it is pretty uncommon. I mean, well, a lot, you know, you talked around, yeah, I want more. But to be completely committed to go get something more or whatever it is, not as many people have that. That's ambition. Um, I don't do this very often, but I don't know that I've really hardly ever in a sermon talked about Formula One, but I'm going to talk about Formula One for a minute this morning. If you've turned on the news this morning, uh, you probably saw today is a uh, significant day potentially in, uh, in, in Formula One, um, and, and, a, and a potentially a, a huge day in, for British motorsport. Because Lewis Hamilton, a British driver, is racing this, to the, this evening, at the same time I'm preaching at the seven o'clock service, but that's nothing, nothing, I'll be here, I'll be focused, won't have my phone on, I promise. Andy, you can hold that to me to that. But he's racing in the US Grand Prix in Austin, Texas today, Texas. And he has the opportunity today, if things work out, if he wins and Sebastian Vettel comes in third or behind, to become a five-time world champion. Five-time world champion. He will be tied now if, if he wins uh, today. He'll be tied for this, this, the second most world championships in history of Formula One, behind a guy by the name of Michael Schumacher. He already is, already by, by far, holds second place for most victories in Formula One racing. And, and an interesting thing, I mean, Lewis Hamilton is, is a pretty ambitious guy. He's very ambitious. But it's interesting, a few years ago, in the middle of winning titles and doing all sorts of things and continuing to win races, he averages maybe about 10 races or so a year that he wins. And uh, in, in the middle of that, um, commentators and people around motorsport and Formula One started to say, you know, we're just not sure if, if he's gonna have what it takes. 
Because, you see, Lewis Hamilton's also really interested in fashion. He's really interested in music. And, uh, and he's known between races, he'll fly all over the world and go to big events and fashion events and pair up with designers and, and go and, you know, cut an album or do some, you know, work with, with record makers and things like that. And so people started to say, but gosh, I don't know that he really has what it takes to be the all-time champion. Of course he's a winner, but does he really have? And, and so people sort of started and they watched and said, mm, yeah, he seems to be, even though he's winning, he doesn't, maybe doesn't have all that it takes. What's interesting, it's not this afternoon or today, if you turn on the news and, and watch anything about it uh, or, or look at it, people would say today, something has happened with Lewis Hamilton and his focus. They said he is really determined. They said it's like that, that sort of thing that happened a few years ago, he's not like that today. They said he is, he is more ambitious than ever. He used to sort of say, you know, I'm not going to be in motorsport forever, and, uh, and now he's starting to, sort of the conversation, the things he would never have said a few years ago, he is starting to make it clear to everybody that he knows how many victories uh, Michael Schumacher has. He knows how many world titles he has, and that's very much in his mind. And all of a sudden, it seems as if for him, not only has he been aware of it, he's always been aware of it, but now there's something in him that thinks it's achievable. And his level of ambition has gone up that much more. So we, whatever you might think about ambition, do you know that Paul was pretty ambitious too? Paul was a pretty ambitious guy. Not in that kind of ambition that we're talking about was willing to just walk over anybody to get there, but that kind of ambition about focus, that ambition about seeing something that they were going after, that, that sense of ambition. Listen to these words. I mean, this, these are the words we're most familiar with in this passage. I press on. He's, I, have not already, I have not already arrived at my goal. I press on to take hold. What does he, for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me? He says, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, that's pretty focused, isn't it? One thing I do. Forgetting what's behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize. That's ambition. That is incredibly ambitious. You know what? I put everything else behind me and I focus on that one thing and that prize and that's what I'm going after. That's ambition. And that's the ambition that we see Paul writing to in the book of Philippians here as we continue on. The issue about ambition is, is not whether it's good or bad to have it. The biggest issue about ambition is what it is we're ambitious for. So this is what Paul says about what he is ambitious for. And he says it right at the beginning of verse 10 where we started today. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection... And then he goes on and says this, participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. 
and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Paul is ambitious, but he's ambitious for knowing Christ. And interestingly enough, his ambition to know Christ, he sees it here and, and, and as he describes it, is actually well, sort of rooted in suffering, isn't it? And difficulty. You know, in, in much of the Western world today, in much of the world in Christianity, oftentimes our talk about Jesus, our talk about knowing Jesus is very much separated from the idea of suffering. In fact, oftentimes our talk about knowing Jesus is, come on, know Jesus so you don't have to suffer. And Paul actually says no. He says to know Jesus is also to identify with his suffering. That's pretty, I mean, we could spend a lot of time, a lot more time than we have today. That's not the kind of ambition that just walks all over people. That's not the kind of knowing Jesus that's just sort of trite, that's just sort of about, oh, give me a good feeling. That's knowing Jesus in a way that says we know that he's with us in the midst of suffering. We know that he suffered and that we suffer too. Paul will oftentimes, I mean, when we listen to Paul recounting his life and his ministry, what does he list over and over again when he lists his work as an apostle of Jesus? He starts to say about, and I was in prison this many times, and I was beaten that many times, and I was shipwrecked these number of times. He understands this goal that he's going after is not always going to be easy. There is a cost to it. There is a price to pay. But he understands that in doing that is actually part of the way that he gets to know more and more about Jesus because he understands that Jesus has suffered as well. But it's not suffering in sort of some masochistic way. It's suffering in recognizing that to know Jesus ultimately is to know the power of his resurrection. To identify and to know his resurrection. So he says that at the end of this chapter, or he talks about this, our mortal bodies. He said they're just frail. They're frail. The thing that we're longing after is not actually here. It's something beyond. And so he says, I, I, you know, someday this stuff is going to be gone. This weak body that we're in, this flesh that we're going to be in is going to be gone. And we're looking for a new heavenly body. We're looking for a new regeneration. We are looking for the same thing that Jesus himself has. is a resurrected body and a new life. And that's what he's going after. That's what he's determined for. That's what he's striving for. Well, in here he says, really... I mean, we could talk about lots of things that get in the way, but, but Paul really here sort of highlights one thing. One thing that gets in the way in verse 19. He says this, many, many live as enemies of the cross. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. I like the old uh, King James Version, their God is their belly. <laughs> what is it that most gets in the way? Just the stuff we want. All the things, all the sort of hunger, all the things we sort of strive after, all, the, all of those sorts of the stuff of life is the stuff that just gets in the way of us being ambitious for the kingdom, being ambitious to know Jesus better. 
I like to eat. I, I mean, I really like to eat. It's all I can do not to eat the way I would like to eat all the time. I, I work with a gal, and she, she is just as skinny as, a, as can be. And, and yet, for whatever reason, the metabolism that she has, it just burns food like crazy. And every time I walk in, she's eating something. And she's always turning to me and like, here, would you like something? I'm like, how can you eat that all the time? I mean, if I look at that, I'm going to gain weight. I'm like, that's just not fair. And it's, I'm, I do, I just have to, fortunately, she eats really healthy, so some of the things aren't that appealing to me. But, but <laughs> somebody asked me, you know, what I would miss most, you know, if we were to or what, you know, if we were to move back to the U.S. I have no plans. I don't want to. We just got to pray the home office agrees. But I said, what would you miss most? And, and, and I, you know what? Number one top of my list, cheese. I mean, I've always loved cheese, but I have discovered new levels of cheese. <laughs> it's just, and then you have a whole course called a cheese course. That's just brilliant. I was in an event a couple of weeks ago, and, and I mean, the, the food and the catering was just fantastic. It was just brilliant on every level. And, and I was so despondent afterwards because in the midst of sort of a program, they brought out the cheese course, and I missed the whole cheese course. And we got to leave, and I looked back, and I saw this just table just filled with cheeses. I mean, brilliant cheeses. And I did. I, 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 I'm just, this is confession, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. I know we confessed earlier. This confession. I mean, I'm on the way out of the event, and, and Shelly's actually ahead of me at the door, and I just went ahead and went over and grabbed one cracker and one schmear of cheese and just sat there and ate cheese on the way out the door. And Shelly will tell you, and honest truth, <laughs> this is really embarrassing, honest truth, for like days, all I talked about was, I missed the cheese course. <laughs> I missed the cheese course. I mean, it was beautiful. I don't know that I, I just, it's. Can I just say, much of that cheese ended up in the vicarage office. <laughs> I didn't get invited. Now I'm bitter. <laughs> you know, we, isn't it easy for us to become, let our God be our belly? It's easy to just let the stuff that we enjoy, the things of life that are great, and, and it's, not, it's not some dualistic thing that Paul is saying, we just need to hate the, the, our physical bodies and do all of that. But you know what it is so much about what motivates us? What it is that we're striving after, what it is we're longing for, what it is we're, we're putting our energy towards. And it is just easy day after day to let our God be our belly. Those things we want, those things we strive after, those things that just, you know, we long for. And Paul says, actually, that is the ultimate enemy to us striving first for the kingdom of God. Jesus would put it this way in the Beatitudes. He would say, blessed are those who, what, who hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know what else he says? For they will be satisfied. What are you ambitious for? What are you longing for? What are you fully committed to? What is it that's pushing your decisions day in and day out? That's the question today. It's not about whether you should be ambitious or not. 
I would encourage you today, you need to be more ambitious. You need to, I think every one of us in this room needs to be more ambitious. The question is what we're ambitious about. The medieval monk wrote a devotion book. People have been praying and reading this book for almost 600 years. His name was Thomas Akempis, and the book was The Imitation of Christ. And, and Thomas Akempis wrote this prayer, and, and I'd like to just sort of end with this today. I'm going to read the prayer and then give us a few moments to just sit in silence and meditate on it. And then we'll come back and I'll read it again. But it addresses these things of what is it that we really long for? What is it that we're ambitious for? So here's the prayer. Grant me, O Lord, to know what I ought to know, to love what I ought to love, to praise what delights Thee most, to value what is precious in Thy sight, to hate what is offensive to Thee. Do not suffer me to judge according to the sight of my eyes, nor to pass sentence according to the hearing of the ears of ignorant men, but to discern with a true judgment between things visible and spiritual, and above all things always to inquire what is the good pleasure of thy will. Grant me, O Lord, to know what I ought to know, to love what I ought to love, to praise what delights Thee most, to value what is precious in Thy sight, to hate what is offensive to Thee. Do not suffer me to judge according to the sight of my eyes, nor to pass sentence according to the hearing of the ears of ignorant men but to discern with true judgment between things visible and spiritual. And above all things, always to inquire what is the good pleasure of thy will. One of the things, sort of a subtle thing in the midst of this passage, in the midst of Paul being so clearly focused on that thing that motivated him, that thing that was his ambition. I love the sort of grace of these words. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make it clear to you. 
but grace in the midst of striving and pressing on towards the mark. To say this is what God's desire is and I'm convinced of it and I'm going for it all the way. And he says to those that he's writing to in, in, in Philippi, he says, and you, you, should, you should follow our example in this. But if you don't fully understand it yet, just give it time. God will come and show you. God will come and show you. And then when he writes about those who are being led by their bellies, he says this, he says, I'm writing this through tears. Those things that get in the way, he understands it. And it's through tears that he writes those words because he longs for people to know the reality and the truth of what is worth striving after, what is worth being ambitious for, to know Jesus, to know him better, to know him in the good days, to know him in the days that are just downright hard, and to know him with an anticipation that to know him is to be resurrected and to be like him and to spend eternity with him. That's our hope. That's our ambition. That's what we strive for. Amen.